We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Cameron. And I am Cameron. I am Willie. <laughs> and this is the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, you feeling a little playful today? No, I'm not. That's usually my job. I know. I'm always the one that's Willie. Oh, I feel. I feel. Oh, feel good. I feel tense. Oh, not not in a good way. No, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm you're good. Gonna, you're gonna roll with it. Yeah, I'm just gonna roll with it. Like, lean into it. Yeah, we're real people doing real stuff. That's right. It's not like, I'm an actor. I'm not an actor. Yeah, no, I'm an actor. You are. I, you've been on shows. I'm just a guy. Yeah, not really that much of an actor. Trying to but. help others stay sober and do other stuff too. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I I'm so glad that you are somebody that is willing to help others. Yeah, me too. And actually, it's a great segue into our topic. I get to be here today. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Dude. We're already helping each other. I'm so excited. We're already helping each other. Look at the way we're helping each other. I got to, maybe you can't see it if you're just listening, but I have a big smile on my face and it's all because of Willie. Welcome to the other side of hell. And I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah. Thank you. We have a uh, a really, really cool war story today. Yeah. From, uh, from Jim. Jim is a big dog. Yeah. He's super cool, man. Yeah. Um, NHL professional hockey player, also known as the Enforcer. Yeah. So if if you know hockey, you will know Jim. Um, and uh, and and we took a topic from his story today. He talks quite a bit about working with others. Yeah. It's kind and of his calling now. Yeah. And I really like that he said, you know, like NHL wasn't his calling. It was just a platform for him to get to his calling <laughs> to help people, which is help others. Yeah. So. I think it, it's a great topic. It's such a, a pivotal part of our program, yeah. Uh, my program, and uh, and I know that uh, that you know without it, I tend to I get lost, man. Yeah. I get lost in the in the in the cataclysm that is my head. Yeah, the space between my ears. Yeah. So when I talk about helping others, or when we talk about helping others, what comes to mind for you first? Uh, the twelfth suggestion of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, yeah. You know, like... What I, is it specifically? Uh, Pop quiz. What is it? Go. <laughs> now. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carry this message to alcoholics, practice these principles, and all our affairs. Dude, you're so good under pressure. Um, well, when you when you live your program, you can share your story. Oh, that's right. Anytime. Okay. But, you know, one of the things that I found through this process of spirituality and trying to find what I believe and what works for me and... You know, I mean, you know a good portion of my spiritual program, my spiritual process, and, and what I believe on a on a supernatural level, mm-hmm. you know, which, is necessary, which isn't necessarily a deity, God-type thing, um, as, as I was raised in. It's more of an energy thing now, and I'm more open to that. And what I, the, the reason that I found that was that through one alcoholic or one person helping another, in a common theme of trying to get better, that seems to be a power that's far greater than I am, right? Mm-hmm. Me by myself is just me. 
you by yourself is just you, which is a big deal, right? We matter. I matter. You matter. But when we come together with a commonality, with a common goal in mind of, of being better and helping somebody be better, do better, live better, have a more quality of life, then that turns that double, that doubles the power that we are, you know, and that is a power far greater than myself. And it's the only way that I got to where I'm at is by other people helping me get to where I'm at. You know, I, I didn't get here by myself. I needed help. I needed a lot of help from a lot of different directions. And I needed a lot of different suggestions from a lot of different people, but I was open to those things after I had suffered enough. Yeah. After. Right. Well, and, and, I really like what you said because, you know, it reminds me that I still need help. Yeah, you, you know, do. Like, I'm not out of the woods by any means. Like, you know, we talk about what it was like. And yeah, yeah, I needed to take a lot of suggestions. I needed a lot of people to tell me what to do because I didn't know how to live a sober life. Yeah. I, I, did, I only knew how to do what I was doing and it was clear that it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So I needed other people to make those suggestions for me. Like, this is how, this is how we do this. Yeah. And, and I still need that today. Right. Like I still need that help today. I still need to look to others. I still need to to trust that I don't always have my best interest in mind mm -hmm. and that a power greater than myself that comes from either me turning my will and my life over to the care of a God of my own understanding or the trust in, of, of this program. Right. Or my higher self or whatever the case is, like it can be a power that is greater than myself that I can turn to for guidance mm -hmm. because I don't always know what is best for me. Sure. And so I think that, you know, helping others is just, it's, it's a pivotal part of that process. Probably the biggest. Yeah. And so I get to, you know, give away what is given to me, but I can't transmit what I haven't got. Right. And so it's important in my case to, to always remain open to what others can still give me. Now I know, I know that you have, a lot of, uh, well, I mean, maybe not a lot, maybe, maybe a lot. You have some sponsees. Uh -huh. I have a few guys that I work you have with. Dudes that you're working with. Or that have, I've worked with and have moved on. Yeah. 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 So, because what I have found, and, and I think that this is common knowledge and probably the basic idea of this concept, but do you find that, that they help you more than you help them? <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, oh, well. I think we help each other yeah. as much as possible. Like, I don't know that, that there's a more, they, they, yeah. yeah, I don't know that there's a more or a less. Yeah. Um, and I can't call it. Like I can't call how much they're going to help me and I can't call how much I'm going to help them. I think the willingness to do so is, is what is key there. The willingness to help, you know, hopefully, you know, and Jim talks about it in his story. Hopefully we're able to plant that seed for somebody Yeah, and, and they're able to plant that seed for me. You know, it's getting reminded of where I used to be, like like going in to help with a new guy, right? Early in sobriety that doesn't know why they're getting sober. They just know they need to get sober. They don't know why, what's going to come of it. They just know that something's got to come of it because the way that they're living isn't working, you know, and having that reminder is so big for me. I don't mm -hmm. ever want to forget what it was like in early, in early sobriety where I was so lost and so dark and so hopeless and all those things. And another guy that had what I wanted came into my life and was able to explain the process that he went through to get him to where he was at. Right? It's just so big. And yeah. so now I get to take that and, and move it to, to the guy that's reminding me of where I was at and, and hopefully plant that seed. And whether they get sobered then 
or, or it takes them a while or they never get sober. Hopefully there's some type of impact or I can learn a little bit more about what to say to the next guy, you know, perhaps yeah. what didn't work with that guy, um, you know, or something that I thought of later, you know, whatever, like the process is just hopefully somebody gets something out of it. Yeah. Well, very good point. Like, I think it's important to remember too, that when I'm working with others, like I'm still learning, like, yeah, you know, like I'm still, I'm still, you know, in a way just as teachable as that individual. Like I'm open to the idea that, you know, through this communication with that person and through this process that I too will be learning, Yeah, you know? And I think that like, it's funny because, well, and let me ask you, like, do you, do you find yourself ever getting insecure when you're working with, with other people? I'm, I'm always insecure. Well, (laughs) me too. But I mean, like, I, I, I guess uh, my question specifically would be, do you, do you find yourself ever insecure about your message? Sure. Yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll get the imposter syndrome coming in, right. creeping in, yeah, you know, very, like who, who are you to be trying to teach this guy? What but, the fuck do you know? Yeah. But yeah. I have to like shut that shit down and go, okay, I do know some shit about right. some shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. It's okay. And not, not come at it from a place of ego, but from a place of recognizing that I've been there before and that I was sought out. I was asked. And that's what, you know, I have to like put myself in my old sponsor's shoes. You know, I have to put myself in other people's shoes and go, when I asked that guy to help me, I meant it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when somebody asked me to help them, they mean it. Yeah. And so, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I've done enough work. And so for whatever reason, that person resonated with a message that I carried and they heard that and got some hope and thought, well, what else can this guy say? You know, what else can I tell them that is going to help them grow even more, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or help them understand their, their ailment more or understand the solution that worked for me more. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, they, they seek you, you know, seek us out as, as a person of guidance. And so I have the responsibility to, even though I feel uncomfortable and I yeah. feel doubtful, yeah. I'm still responsible for following through with the message that I brought to the table. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a strange thing when somebody, when somebody looks at you and says, I want what you have <laughs> and you, and you, you know, look at your life and you see all the problems. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, when I say you, I mean me, like, yeah, I'm so quick to look at the things going on and only think about the bad things that, that when somebody that, you know, that I share with at a meeting or that hears me speak or, or whatever the case is looks at me and says, I want what you have. I'm just like, are you fucking out of your mind? Like, I don't have any, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so easy to go to that place, but that's why that's the beauty of it is because, you know, somebody like that will look at me and say, I want what you have. And it's just a great, a great reminder and sort of a kick in the stomach. Like, boom, like, damn, I do have something. I am so fortunate to have the problems that I have right now. Yeah. I'm so fortunate to have the life that I live today, yeah. you know, and, and I have something that I can offer this individual, you know, through my words, through my actions, through, through what I have learned and through what I'm able to learn through them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that, uh, that that's, that's one of the things that about working with others is it's such a beautiful reminder 
of, of how things could be, how, how different our, our world could look or, or a good reflection of what we have been able to do so far in our program. You know, specifically when working with other alcoholics or other people in the program, because I think that there is, you know, a number of different ways of working with others. Like Jim talks about working with a lot of organizations and and programs and and giving back that way. And I think that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter what that looks like, because the payoff is always the same. Right. Like I'm getting out of my head. I'm helping you. And for doing that. I benefit. Yeah. You know, and I, and I stay sober today. Yeah. Selfless service is what pays for past behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I lived, I lived in this selfish, destructive manner for so long, blind to, to what I did to other people that today to, to pay amends for that is through doing stuff selfish, selfishly doing selfless service and, and working with another person to try to help them understand that the severity of the alcoholism or drug addiction or food addiction or whatever it is to do that selflessly is how I kind of even the playing field for, for what I've done. And so the, the really neat thing is, is like the more we do it, the better off, the, the better we are at it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it's important to, to keep that ball mo- moving with momentum, keep it going, keep it going so that as we work with others, they can work with others, you know, right. And, right. And like, you know, all, all this stuff is such a, it's so much bigger than I am. I'm just this little part of, of it, but it matters. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. It matters. And so like working with others is the best you know, I've said it before. Like it's it's the one place that everything else goes away. Yeah. Working one-on-one with another guy, I fucking forget everything except for what I'm doing with that guy. Nice. You know? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is like, the you know, one of the principles of working with another person, and this is, this is across the board, like, the more you teach it, the better you know it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to know something well... Teach, teach somebody yeah yeah and then teach them again mm-hmm. and then teach someone else and then yeah. teach someone else and so the way that i work with 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 other guys is is basically the same for all those guys but they all get something different out of it yeah you know well and i've definitely found that to be true is like you know every time that i explain it to somebody else my understanding of it grows exponentially yeah you know like i i am more equipped to to understand the information as i'm explaining it to somebody else yeah even something as simply as as simple as uh, as reading over it with another individual like i'm reading it in such a way that i'm comprehending it like i never have before you know when really like my idea is to to share it with this individual but in order to do so i better have a, a better under and clear understanding of it and I know in my experience, like, you know, I've had a couple of sponsees and, and they always seem to go out or they always, you know, like, and, and, it, and it can make me really insecure about <laughs> yeah. And I want to take ownership of that, you know, like, I want to think that it's my fault or that I did something wrong. And I think that that's just sort of human nature. But with every one of those instances and, and, 
and those encounters, I have been able to say, okay, like, well, maybe the next time, like, I'll do this a little bit different. Like, I'll, you know, approach this a little bit different of a way, or I'll, or I'll make sure that I don't get attached on that sort of level, like yeah. that sort of, you know, level. Yeah, you kind of learn and adapt as you go. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we we get to do a, a lot of different things by working with others. Like one is that we get to get out of our own way and and get into the idea of of helping other individuals succeed. And the other is we get to learn more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get to understand like what kind of teacher we are. Like what, what kind of methods we have that like, maybe I'm not the best teacher for everybody, but there is somebody out there that's really going to resonate with the way that I explain things for sure. And I think I found that to be true. And I dare say you've found that to be true as well. (laughs) Yeah. Like I know that you have a very, I don't want to say different, but I'll say distinct program and a very distinct way of speaking to people very blunt way of speaking to people that maybe not everybody's going to respond to, but I bet that wasn't something you maybe always knew about yourself. No, by no means. And, 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 you know, I, you know, I just want to touch on something you mentioned real quick, you know, like we, we aren't responsible for the outcome of, of how we help, help others. Right. Right. We're, we're responsible for the work it takes to get to the place to be able to help others, you know, cause it is really easy to get wrapped up in, the, the failures of other people when we're trying to help someone else get sober. But I have to go back and I have to look at and think about the fact that how many times did it, did it take me? How many times did it take me to, to grab a hold of this thing the way that I have now? And it took me a lot. It took me a lot of times, but every person that I worked with, and I dare say I probably had six or seven sponsors throughout the entire time that I've been trying to get sober since Mm -hmm. like a teenager, you know, and I learned a little bit from every one of them, but none of them were responsible for my recovery. None of them were responsible for my sobriety and my growth. You know, we say it all the time to each other. I don't know how much we say it on the show, but I'm not here to tell you how to get sober. You know, we're we're not here to tell anyone how to get sober. We're here to share how we got sober, share our experience. You know, we're here to share, you know, have the people that are on the show that share their stories, share how they got sober, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to give some, some uh, pointers and tips and some shortcuts, you know, some things that will help you get there faster. Hopefully that will help you resonate with yourself so that you can find a process that helps you identify your, your pitfalls and problems and struggles and all those things. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, as far as that goes, I lost, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to talk about? Helping others is the best. Like, (laughs) Like it's the one thing that it seems like, okay. For every guy that I've helped that have gone through all 12 suggestions with me, which has been a handful, you know, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. 10 or so. Um, the guys that have went back out after doing all 12 steps are the guys that did not move forward into teaching other people how they did it. Right. right? Mm. Like, like giving this stuff away is the one thing that will continually help me stay sober. Right. Right. Like it, it seems like, and then, and then I learn more about myself as, as that process goes, but, I try to always have at least one guy that I'm working with intensively. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 
Well, and, it, and, and as you say that, like, it makes me wonder, like, because, because I am somebody that it took, it took some time for me to, to begin working with others in, 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 in a, um, sort of sponsor capacity, I guess. Um, and it makes me wonder if, you know, the reason why people hesitate on that is because of the same thing that it was for me, which is that insecurity, sure. that, that sort of imposter syndrome. So I think that, you know, that probably keeps a lot of people from, from, from working with others. And, and it, it just proves that the same thing is true that we've always known, right? Like if I am, if I live in fear, I'm afraid to push, push past my comfort zone, I will fail to grow and likely revert and likely move backwards. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, like because I'm insecure about it, because it's uncomfortable, it, it only would prove that it's the next right thing to do. You know, like all, all the more reason for me to do it yeah. is because I don't want to. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing. Okay. And what, what people, what, what we need to understand. Okay is that I spent my entire life not trusting myself because I was a fuck, mm -hmm. right? Like there was behavior after behavior after behavior that proved that I was a fuck. Like you, you can't trust me. Yeah. Now all of a sudden I'm in sobriety, right? And I'm, I'm taking these actions that suggest that you can trust me, right? But there's this internal dialogue that says, if you don't make it, it's my fault, okay? Right. Now I'm not responsible for your sobriety. I am responsible for my message. Mm -hmm. And so I have this internal dialogue. This, the imposter syndrome looks like this for me. I go in and I share my message. You come up to me and ask for help. I immediately know I'm going to let you down by not following through with my message. Right, right. right. That internal dialogue is, I can't be trusted. You, you know, once you get to know me, you're going to have to reject me. This isn't going to work for you. And then I have to start shutting those fucking lies down, right? And the way that I shut those lies down is by doing the next right thing over and over and over again over the course of a, over the course of time. And so as I do these things over the course of time, I become more reliable to a person outside of myself. I show myself on a daily basis, on a minutely basis, consistently that I can be trusted to carry this message. And I gain all these tools from all these different places to learn what... What is discipline? What is honor? What is honesty? What is, you know, teachability? What is, you know, what does it mean to be a coach? How do I, how do I, you know, give these steps out? How do I give these suggestions to other people so that they can, um, so that they can use them in their own life? And it comes from those things. And then it also comes from a place where I have to listen to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to help you and I want to work with you and I want to give you the, the, the best option for success, I need to listen to what you're saying and I need to gather as much information about you as I can and then allow a spiritual process, which is hard to explain. It's almost like I'm getting answers from an outside source about sure. what I need to say to this person. Right. And it's coming from us bouncing this energy off of each other. Yeah. But I am responsible for my message. Mm -hmm. And so if I can do this consistently on, on a over and over and over again, I know that I can go with you and, and even though I'm going to get the fucking, the doubts, even right. though I know that I'm going to get the doubts yeah, and I know that the first thing I'm going to think when you ask me to help you is no. 
Yeah. Nope. I, just expect it. I can't. I have to shut that shit down. Look at look at the track record and go. Okay, I am qualified to help this person. Mm-hmm. I am qualified to help you. And then once once I can shut that down and we can start talking and I can start listening to you, then I can start saying okay stuff like, I can't want this more than you do. Right. Period. Right. And I will put as much into our relationship as you do. Your recovery, your your growth is on you. But here's how I did it. Yeah. Right. Here's what the process was. And I have to do that from a loving and like distant space. Yeah. Because, right. Uh, not only not only am I doubtful in myself, I'm also hopeful in you. And so um, sometimes I get too close. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen that happen. We have seen that happen. You know, where I got so close to, to another person that I felt responsible for their growth or their happiness or, or whatever that is. And that's another part of working with others. Like we're love. Yeah. You know, we love and, Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing, but love can be painful. Yeah. Right. And, and so having those expectations and falling in love with other people can be a dangerous place, but that's okay. If you're solid in your program and you know what your message is and you know what your program is, then you can do that stuff and not go back to the things that destroy you. You can just be uncomfortable for a while, which right. is fine. Mm-hmm. Great. Be uncomfortable for a while. Mm-hmm. Move, move on. Like find somebody else to help and walk them through the process that you walked through. Right. That's yeah. all. When we talk about sponsorship in Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, when I, when I talk about it, a sponsor is a person to walk you through the steps the way that they were walked through the steps. Yeah. Share their experience. Yeah. In the story. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. and we find that that's what helps other people. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a relationship coach. I'm not, you know. Marriage a, counselor. Yeah, any of that shit. Yeah. A lot of that stuff comes out. Sure. Right? A lot of that stuff gets handled mm-hmm. through through the process of the 12 steps that I worked. But I'm not any, I'm a fucking alcoholic that worked the steps who found freedom from the obsession to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And I think that that's the thing is like we, it's a learning process, right? Like we learn about ourselves. We learn how best to help others. We learn how to, uh, to maintain those boundaries, how to, to, to help while still, you know, preserving our own sobriety, our own sort of recovery through, through the nature of our language with that individual. Right. But I, I think, and, and, Going into that, it's very beautiful. Um, it, it will lead into the fact that, again, in in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a reason why this is step 12. <laughs> there's a reason why there's 12 steps. Right. And this is the last one. Yeah. We have to go through 1 through 11 thoroughly in order to be in a position where we can handle taking this step where we can set those boundaries. Yeah. We can deal with the heartbreak if they if they go back out or if we get too close. We can handle all that in a very positive and constructive manner because we've gone through the steps that led up to step 12. Right. So I think that 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 there's a reason why we have to go through all that other mental work. All that other uncomfortable stuff, all that other growth, all that other foundation setting in order to handle however that situation plays out. 
mm-hmm. when we're helping others. And the thing that I like about it is that what, what I hear or what we continue to see in almost every avenue of self-help or, or anything where we're bettering ourselves from the inside out is there's always this sense of everything that we do for us, everything that we're doing for ourselves by, you know, working through trauma and building ourselves up mentally and, you know, figuring out why we do the things we do is in order to be the best and highest versions of ourselves for others. Like, it all sort of comes back to, I do this for me so that I can be better prepared and show up for you. Right. It's all sort of comes back to giving back, you know? And so I love that. I love that, you know, even if it's 12 steps or if it's, you know, anything that you read, um, from Tony Robbins or, you know, any, any other sort of guru, like, and, and Tony Robbins is not a guru. He's got a whole show about it. Yeah. He doesn't like being called. Right. But, but I mean, it does seem to serve like we are, we are, we do this so that we can be there for you so that we can give back to others so that we can help others. And, and that is the only way that we continue to grow. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I just, I I think that there's a reason why this is sort of the culmination of that work of that self work. And who, who, who doesn't want to live in a better world, right? Like, the world is, th- this world is so much better with you sober. Uh, yeah. Per- period. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the world is so much better with you working on yourself, with you loving yourself, with you, you know, trying to share that with other people. Like, and, and that's ultimately what the goal is, right? We are loved, right? And, and in our disease, in, in the disease of alcoholism, when we're in the throes of, the, of drug addiction and self-harm, Everybody in our lives are harmed, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as the father that's drinking, your children are harmed by your drinking, whether you, you don't have to be fucking yelling at them and, and, and abusing me, even though that happens a lot. Right. You can just be absent. Right. Mm-hmm. You can, you can be distant, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, that harms the people in our lives. And, and so we go and we find these sick people that are, that are struggling with this stuff try to bring them up out of the gutter so that the world is a better place. Yeah. And, and what there's, it's so noble to be a part of that. And it, we're so blessed to be able to have the experience that we've had to, to even have the opportunity to possibly plant the seed of sobriety in somebody else and how, how important that is and how beautiful that is. You know, mm-hmm. we say it all the time. Like if we can reach one person and, and we mean that we, we want to reach the father that is, that it, it is in the house that is just distant from his children that yeah. is suffering in silence because he doesn't know that he has alcoholism and doesn't know how to, you know, we want to reach that, that mother and that daughter that, that are, are gone or using their body for, you know, the ability to pay for their drug addiction or, you know, that self harm because we've been through all that dysfunction made the decision to change it yeah. no matter what it's going to, look like and that's all that we wanted to do and then through the process of all that stuff continue to learn more about who we are what we're capable of what we want out of life and how to how to pass that on to other people like that this whole thing is like like 
a river that flows. Like if it stops with me, then that water backs up. Yeah. It becomes stagnant. It becomes poisonous. And then it comes good for nothing. Not even the bugs can drink from it, right? It's good for nothing. And But if I let it pass through me, then it continues to stay fresh. And I get to be a vessel from that. And I get a benefit from both sides of it. Not only do I get to help other people, I get to be safe. Yeah. You know, it keeps me safe. Mm-hmm. And just having the responsibility of working with other people is a safety net. Like me knowing that you're counting on me for your help right. helps me stay on this side of the table. Mm-hmm. So that when when the dis, dis-ease inside, the, when, the, when the addict in my head is fucking rattling my oh, cage, yeah. Yeah. I can go, okay, Cameron's counting on me. Yeah. You know, my mm-hmm. sponsee's counting on me. My yeah. wife is counting on me to be solid here. And, and I know that this is just a moment of ill-minded thinking. Because 20 minutes ago, I wasn't here. Yesterday, I wasn't here. And I learned this from some other alcoholic working with me. Yeah. You know, that process of one helping another. It's Mm -hmm. so important that we go out and we help other people. It is the most important part of the entire program. Yeah. Is helping other people. Right. Well, and there is that measure of accountability that comes with it. And I think that, that you're absolutely right. Like there's, there's so many different elements to working with others. Like there's so many different ways that we benefit from that. And, and, and I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, it has occurred to me to do something destructive or negative. And then I'll think like, but I have, I have this person I've got to talk to. You know, but I, I've got to, I've got to check in with this person. I, Dude. you know, I've got to do this. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I get through whatever it was that I was thinking about doing, you know, and, and, and working with others, quote unquote. And I say quote unquote, because in the end it saved my ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden I am getting through the day because I have this, this, working with others individual in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can't count how many times the podcast has saved my ass. Yeah. Ser- yeah. Seriously. This like, is very like true. Being here, knowing that I'm going to be responsible to sit here openly and honestly, like, I don't want to fucking tell you that I ate a pie last night. Yeah. Every right? week this happens to me. E- every fucking week. I th- I'm like, I, I, I think about doing some self-destructive behavior. Yeah. And I think about you guys that are listening, you guys that are watching. I think yep. about you. I think about Jordan Ryland. And I, and I think about my responsibility as a host and a message carrier for something that's greater than I am. Yep. And it saves me from the compulsion to act out on that thought. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't like, want to be this person when I show up that day. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be the negative person who has just taken himself through this. <laughs> and, and, and I know I don't want to do that because I've done it. Because I've done it. I've sat here before and talked about pulling pizza out of the trash. <laughs> you, you remember that story? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been here yeah. like when I'm not in that, that positive state of mind. Yeah. And I know how that feels. Yeah. And I know that I don't want to feel like that again. And that that's not the kind of message I want to bring to the table, although it's honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I can appreciate that and I can respect that. And I can think that it was a good thing for me to be vulnerable and it was a good thing for people to know that we're not perfect. Right. You know, and I, and, and, and I hope that people know that we're not perfect. No. You know. A couple dudes. Yeah. Working on our alcoholism. But, like, I do 
oftentimes honestly think like I want to show up and I want to be on my game. Yeah. And I, I am not going to be on my game. I'm not going to be confident in what I'm saying. I'm not going to believe my own message. If I go in there after fucking pulling pizza out of the trash. Right. Yeah. You know? we're, we're the proof that, that recovery works. Right. We're the proof that, that change can happen. Mm-hmm. We're the proof that working with others is helpful. Yeah. Right. Like I, I try to be the proof of all that stuff that you can come out of such a dark place because my story is really dark, you know, getting woke up with a gun in my face by a, by a highway patrolman that was ready to fucking shoot me because I could not not use once I started using, I could not not do that. Right. Like coming from that place through jail, through living in a camper into a trailer, like, like starting a career, $9 an hour, no kids. Like now my kids have never seen me drink, you know, all the things that my life is today from another person walking me through this process. I want to be the proof that anybody else out there can do that. Yeah. Right. That if you don't know how contact us, you know, Mm -hmm. if you need suggestions on where to start, contact us. If Mm -hmm. you need resources on where to go, contact us Mm -hmm. like give it a try you know because my hands raised like yeah when they when they ask for anybody in a meeting who can be a temporary sponsor boom my hands up yeah mine too because regardless of how i feel i hear that hey willie can you help no yes right right willie can you show up no yes Uh Mm uh-huh right that programming is is deep to avoid anything uncomfortable, right? But the programming to help is stronger today through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. This whole thing is mm-hmm. so important that I show up and be willing to help the next guy because the world is so much better with us on this side of the table. Yeah. Period. And thank God for that willingness, man. Thank, I mean, and, and that's the biggest part, you know, like I, I'm not always helping others, but I'm willing to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm willing to, like, I'll make myself available. I'll give people my phone number. Like, I can't make them call me, but I can definitely be willing to talk to them if they do. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, like, we don't have all the answers. I, I don't have all the answers. If somebody reaches out to me for, for help, I can simply share my experience. Right. And I think that that's, that's oftentimes where I can get pretty caught up is like, you know, I don't have to present all the answers to this individual. I can only share my experience. And maybe by me sharing my experience, it will provide some answers mm-hmm. for them, you know. And maybe it won't. Like, that's the other thing. But I am willing. Yes. Right? I have to be willing. And today I'm willing. And I think that it's taken a lot for me to get to that place, mainly 1 through 11. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and some shit in between. Yeah. But, you know, today I am willing to, to do what I can to help others because I, I see the benefit from it. But I really like that we talk about this notion that my, my first initial reaction is always no. Yeah, I think it's common and just nobody talks about it. Yeah, yeah. It's always like, of, of course not. Of yeah. course I don't want to. Yeah. All the more reason. All the more reason for me to say yes. You know when they say to go to a meeting? When you don't want to go, <laughs> that's when you need a meeting the most. Yeah. Like I need to help people the most when I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. And just because that's my, my initial reaction doesn't mean that that's true either. Right. Right. Like that's a, that's a programming flaw mm-hmm. because ultimately I love helping other people. 
I, I, I love being a part of other people's process. I, it really, it's really fulfilling and, and helpful for me to know and to hear feedback from people that say, you know, I really got a lot out of what you said. Thank you for your guidance. You know, I tried that thing that you suggested. It worked out. I tried that thing that you suggested. It didn't work out, but I'm trying some other stuff now. You know, like I love having that in my life. You know, I really do. And just because the initial reaction is no, like back off. That's because I don't necessarily have a real high opinion of myself right. at a deep level. Mm-hmm. That's why I continue to show up and do this program stuff because at the end of my life, I want to look back and not regret it, right? And I know that if I don't show up every day willing, like you were saying, mm-hmm. to help, to be honest, to be open, to take suggestion, give suggestion, and lead by example, if I'm not willing to do those things i'm afraid that i'll get to the end of my life as an old man look back and regret it yeah you know my ultimate goal in life and i've said it so many times is to know myself well and i get to know myself more and more by the way that i help others yeah mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the way that i help others shows more about who i am than anything else the way you help others shows more about who you are than anything else my coach says all the time Create the man that you want to be so that you can give him away. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and to your point, and I'll just mention this very briefly, your, your coach is, you're not talking about a 12 step coach. No. And so again, like, it seems like all this self-help stuff, all this stuff that we, we learn any improvements that we're making on ourselves are with the intent of giving back because on some fundamental level, deep down in our society, we have come to realize that giving back is a cornerstone to us continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, it's the only way for us to continue to learn about ourselves. Like if we continue to do the work and continue to self-discover, we're, we're not giving ourselves a fair shake until we've, we try to share that message with somebody else until we share that information with somebody else, because there's a whole another element to all that self-discovery that we won't even touch if we don't explain yeah. it, if we don't go into it with somebody else. Yeah. And so I think that it's only natural that it's a part of that process. Yeah. It's huge, huge, huge. And that's why it's step 12. Yeah. And that's why it's so important. Like, yeah, God, I get so much out. I get so much out of, like helping others and others helping me, you know, and I dare say, you know, and I appreciate, and Jim, I want to talk about Jim. Yeah. You know, I, I dare say as, as you'll hear in his story, you know, um, Jim, Jim was a 10 year professional hockey player first. And, and he mentions some that he played for, for the, the ducks. He played for the LA Kings, you know, um, came out of Canada and even, went to the Stanley cup, which is a big deal. Like, like a a full on professional hockey player who started out in a trailer park and worked his way up into professional hockey and into a fucking deep, dark hole of drug addiction. Yeah. I would say smoking crack and, you know, he'll get into that. But, you know, he, he says that, you know, playing hockey was not my calling, right? Helping people is Mm -hmm. and working with others. That, that is his calling today. And, and and he does, Yeah, he works with others and he helps a lot of people, kids, adults, families, 
you know, I love, I love what he talks about helping, you know, doing these interventions and traveling around to try to help other people see the darkness of their disease and then bring them to a solution that works for them. You know, his story is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate that realization. It's an incredible thing to say, you know, especially after you've had a career like that, where you go from, you know, playing professionally in the NHL, which is, which is something that a lot of people dream of that, that never get to do. Yeah. Right. So like to be able to say that you did that for 10 years and say, that wasn't my, my calling. <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that like, wasn't it for me. I thought that that was my calling. And, and it's funny because I feel like I identify with that on some sort of level, right? Like I feel like I go through my life or I've always sort of gone through my life trying to discover like, why am I here? Yeah. You know, the big questions, like, what is it all about? Like, I feel like I'm meant for so much more. You yeah. Know? And here's the thing is like, I don't know if helping others is my calling, but what I will say is that when I'm helping others, I'm certainly not asking those questions. Right. <laughs> I'm certainly not, you know, like questioning my life. Yeah. Wondering what it's all about. When I'm helping others, I feel just fucking content with the way things are. Yeah, for sure. And so for well that, said. I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. yeah well and I'm said. super grateful that Jim joined us and shared his story. And, yeah. And I, and I am excited to share it with everybody. So without further ado, here is Jim's war story. Hi, my name is Jim Thompson. I am an alcoholic and a drug addict. I am 55 years old. I'm going into my 13th year of sobriety. And I'm going to give you a quick journey of my life. I grew up in a trailer park called Westview Village outside Edmonton, Alberta. Um, I started working when I was nine years old delivering newspapers. At 12 years old, I got a job at the hockey arena being a timekeeper. At that point, I was making money and in the trailer park, uh, not a lot to do. Um, so I started buying marijuana and uh, champagne called Baby Duck from a bootlegger. And my couple of buddies and myself, grade eight, we would be smoking joints and drinking champagne before we go to school every day. Just going back a little bit, uh, how this behavior starts is both of my parents died of alcoholism. Um, Sadly, they were in the war years, uh, both served in the war. My dad was a sergeant in World War II. He actually would have played like myself in the NHL for the Boston Bruins, but at 17 went to World War II, was a war hero. Um, but post-war, they both came out. They had, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of 10. And um, I uh, can say that, you know, by 14th, I was blacked out drunk many times. So... What happens through that, um, that goes on to turning 14 and coming home from school and telling my mother that I want to quit school. I was obviously a very good hockey player. I want to quit hanging out with the people that were, you know, bad influence as I was on them. And she said that uh, she wouldn't let me do that. My brother Frank was there. And he had said, you might as well let him do it because if not, he's going to quit anyway. So she allowed me to do it. I took correspondence. I walked to the hockey arena every day. I stopped doing drugs, obviously stopped drinking. I trained like a pro in the mobile home, single mobile home. My brother set up a little gym in the living room. 
I used my mom's coffee table as my bench press and all these sorts of things that you make work. I walked to the rink every day and I played pickup hockey with all the men. And um, what happened from there is where my dad was born in Markham, Ontario. He, um, he took me down there when I was uh, 15 and um, to meet my uncle and aunt. My uncle, I, unbeknownst to me, my uncle was a 25-year sobriety alcoholic. So he wanted to see how I could skate. I took my skates. They saw I was pretty good. And this would be a, a move that I didn't know what was going on. But all of a sudden, I got to go and try out for an OHL team called the Toronto Marlboros. So to move through that journey, I spent three years living with my aunt and uncle, who he kept, obviously, things intact. There was no you know, party and nothing like that. So I was very serious. In my second year, I got drafted to the NHL, to the Washington Capitals. And um, what goes from there is a 10-year pro career. And I, uh, you know, get drafted. I My very first year pro, I'm living with two guys. It's, it's like, you know, this is the most unbelievable life because we're three young guys living together. We're making money. Um, and, you know, the lifestyle was... You go to practice in the morning and then you got the whole day to yourself. So what happens is in small towns that I played in, in the American Hockey League, you find yourself, you know, at lunch at a bar every day, drinking beer, you know, and doing other things. So through my pro career, I was very serious, but I got into, you know, I, I had the party bug in me from my family. And uh, so, you know, on and off there, there would be moments of, you know, drug use and partying. And, uh, you know, for 10 years, I kept it together. Um, sadly, I, uh, my career ended with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I played for six teams. Um, the Mighty Ducks were my last team where I had two shoulder operations. And that's when I uh, realized there was painkillers and some other things that went along with that. So moving into the valuable stuff for the, the people that are going to be listening to this I'll call it my ANA meeting is uh, post career is when, you know, I went into the black hole and that's when I was introduced to a drug called Oxycontin. Oxycontin I was getting from three doctors. Nobody, you know, each doctor didn't know I was getting it from. So I had this cycle going around when my prescription ended here. By the time I got back there, it was, you know, way, way too many pills that I was taking. Um, and then, uh, you know, Cocaine was my drug of choice, um, and then I was introduced to smoking it, which we call crack cocaine. So that was uh, a four-year black journey, um, you know, getting, you know, absolutely, you know, buzzed, crazily buzzed on crack cocaine and, and then coming down on Oxycontin and, you know, it was the, you know, forties and eighties and, you know, laying in bed in bed and my heart beating out of my chest. And just, you know, when I look back, I'm blessed to be here with you, Will, and talking to the people who are going to see this and, you know, this behavior went on. And uh, as most of us, I lost my family. I had three beautiful kids. So, you know, I went through a divorce. Um, one of the key turning points in my life, um, was my ex-wife put me in an intervention and, uh, I went to a rehab, uh, place, spent 30 days. And what 
the most amazing thing about that was what I thought I was going for is just to detox and, and, you know, I didn't know anything about rehab, but what I, what I learned was how to live being the youngest of 10. My parents were the best parents they knew how to be, but there wasn't any parenting. Um, so I learned about love. I learned about relationships. I learned about family. I learned about how to cope with emotions. I'm 41 years old, going on 42. And I had missed this whole window of how to behave and how to, how to, you know, act. And, um, you know, I, this was just a blessing to me later in life. And with all the people that I work with now, I'll say this now that the NHL wasn't my calling. Um, it was a, a platform for me to help people. And what I do with my time now is I, I go around the country and try to save kids, try to save husbands, try to save mothers from, you know, the addiction and the, the you know, the monster that I became. So after rehab, um, you know, I, I, like I said to you earlier, I'm 12 years sober. Um, going into my 13th year as of November 17th, I'm in my 13th year and, you know, it's a battle. And I sat there and I, and I looked in the mirror and I couldn't, you know, I'm looking at this kid that worked his whole life for his dream. And I achieved my dream of playing in the NHL and through my, you know, dark, dark days, I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and it was, you know, the monster I was seeing. And it's funny. Um, I got this painting of Wayne Gretzky and I, after we beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in my house and we beat them in game seven to go to the Stanley cup. And I had it in a position in my house where every day I got out of bed and walked out. It, I had to walk by it and I could never look at it. It was the best time of my life. We're going, you know, we're going to the Stanley cup and I'm with my idol and my teammate and somebody I obviously admire and look up to. And it was like, he was looking at me saying, what the F are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? It was almost like he was pounding me. And, you know, now I look at that picture and I get to enjoy it. I get to, you know, remember the great times, but there was that whole period that, you know, I was the liar. Like anybody who is going through addiction is we're, you know, we are, we're not who we are. We're liars, we're thieves, we're, we're, we'll hurt anybody in our path to get our hit. And, and it's a, just a sad, sad roller coaster. I say that, uh, you know, my joy today is giving my blessings to people who don't understand it, like I didn't understand it. Um, you know, I was with, uh, I was in an intervention yesterday where the guy had already been twice. He says, look at until somebody wants to go and actually invest their brain into rehabilitation, it doesn't matter how many times you send somebody. So for anybody out there who is going to be going to rehab or, or and I, I, I'm going to tell you this, it's the thing what changed my life. It's not a disease. It's not where you're going. You know, my first AA meeting, I was all scared because I'm thinking I'm going to go there and I'm, everybody's going to know and the whole town's going to know that Jim Thompson's an alcoholic and a druggie. When I went to my first meeting, everybody in there were the same as me. And it was, you know, an amazing, you know, platform to look around and say, there's businessmen, there's athletes, there's, there's teachers, there's all these different people with the sickness. 
So I, I say this to people, um, you know, we, we are sick. I'll always be sick. I'm, I'll always be a drug addict. I'll always be an alcoholic. And I, I just can tell you that sobriety is the best drug I've ever, you know, I've ever experienced. I started when I was 12 years old, 12 years old, sorry. And, you know, and I think of the window of going all those years with no education, you know, being in a, a fog, you know, being serious enough to play in the NHL, unraveling that to post-career and all these different places that I went. And then I'm here now at 55 years old in the best shape of my life and the best mental state of my life. And it's, it's, you know, as I, as I tell people, I know what you're going through, but you will go two places if you don't stop. And the first place you're going to go is you're going to go to jail or you're going to die. And there's no, you will run out of money. Eventually. I don't care how rich you are. The richest, you know, just do more. And it's like anything. The more you make, the more you spend. And some of the richest drug addicts are broke and rebuilding their lives or they're dead or they're, you know, finding something else to do. So, you know, when we when we talk about it's not going to last forever, it's, it's going to come to an end sooner or later. And it all depends on how, you know, how that individual wants to take, I call it planting seeds, you know, and get to the state where yourself, Will, and I'm in. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a fight every day. Make no mistake. I drive by every day places that I used to sit and smoke and, and, and hang out with the gang. And, you know, I, I got this bracelet on my wrist. And for all of us addicts, Every time I start thinking, I just snap it. And what that does, you know, get your head back in the game. You know, I'll be over here looking, man, I used to spend nights upon nights over at this house over here. And the hair would stand up because we know what that first hit's like, right? And I'll just do this. I might have to do it four or five times. And I've been doing that for 12 years. And I do it just to remind myself how good things are. So, you know, I, I give my blessing to everybody tonight. Um, you know, Will, I, I open up communication if anybody needs to talk. You know, I love to, you know, I always say if I can just plant one seed in somebody where they say that makes sense. And if it can help turn their addiction around and help turn that father who has a family that loves them to death and or the mother and uh, to say the least, COVID has taken this to a whole new level. Um, you know, the addiction right now rate is, I don't want to, you know, go there because it's bad energy for me. But there's a lot of sick going on in our world right now. And we need to support each other. And uh, I'm spending a lot of time um, driving around, talking, talking people out of suicide, you know, did I ever imagine that I was going to get a 20 year old promising hockey player, you know, on the other line saying, I just, it doesn't matter if I can't play hockey, this is what I, this is all I want to do. And now I can't play hockey. And uh, you know, what, what, what's the use? And I'm just like, wow, you know, this kid doesn't even do drugs. This, you know, you may have some mental health or whatever. And I'm like, this is not an option. It's not an option. So, you know, we have to understand that what's going on in our world right now, it's got to take the wills, the gyms and the, you know, all, and I say this, you know, people, I can't thank you enough. Thank me. You're helping me because 
what we need to do, everybody, is to be kind and give back. And, um, you know, it's, it's just there's too much negative. There's too much bad. And now you start throwing addiction in and you start throwing all these different things into what's going on in this COVID era. And it's devastating our world. So, you know, now I wake up in the morning and I want, you know, if anybody wants to follow me, my Instagram is very, um, I'm going to say, uh, it's all kind. It's all love. It's all peace. Um, it's Jim Thompson, no P and Thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N 33. I'm not telling you that to get more followers. I'm telling you that because I have to post po something positive every day. And I tell all the people that I know or work with or who need some, some positive reinforcement, I'll send out one good vibe every morning, one good vibe. Maybe it'll be at night. And all it is is to hang on to that things are going to be okay. And, you know, just things will be okay. And no matter what position you're in, people are losing their businesses. They're losing their homes. They're going bankrupt. I went bankrupt. I lost everything. I lost my family. I, I was down and out. I was searching through jackets for money. And, you know, I was as low as you can go. And through, you know, and I'll tell everybody this. When I went to rehab, my counselor, his name was Brian. And I'm going to give a shout out uh, to uh, Newgate 180. It's in Merrickville, Ottawa. And this Brian, I met, he ends up being my counselor. So he says, you know, uh, I'm going to tell you a little story. He said, I've been doing this for 26 years. He said, if you stay sober, Jim, little gifts, he said, little gifts will fall from the sky and you don't know when they'll come and they will come for the rest of your life. So, you know, as you're going into this facility and I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm going, okay, uh, inspiration, got it, great. Well, I'm not even going to get into the, the gifts that have fallen. Um, you know, it's, it's one after the other. And I'll say this to you, Willie. Being on the show tonight is a gift because, you know, you and I got to talk and now this is going to go out to people that are going to listen. And I always say this, if one person gets a seed planted that can change their life, change their parents' life, change their children's life, their brothers, their sisters, then we've done something great tonight. So this is a gift. This is a complete gift for me tonight. And um, the gifts keep falling. And every time I'm asked to do some podcast regarding addiction and this barbaric lifestyle, I have to give it my all. I got to be telling you that it's hard as it is and as bad as you feel and as broke as you are, it will get better only if you're sober. You cannot get there, you know, and I, I've been in a lot of arguments with the legalization of marijuana now in Canada. When I smoked dope, I was a dope. So when I was stoned, I had all these great ideas in my head. I was gonna have all these inventions. I was gonna be a multi-millionaire and then I'd go to bed and wake up with this, you know, uh, negative, depressing feeling because I smoked dope all day. And I understand, people need to understand, I'd rather you have medical cannabis instead of opiates. So if you're in a position that you need to, to kill pain or whatever it is, and that's real, okay? 
So my opiate addiction, I rather been smoking marijuana or taking, you know, the edibles and what they have now, the CBS and all these things, which I don't know much about because I'm anti-drugs. I understand it. I'm, I'm reading up on it. I understand that there's better ways for head trauma, all these things. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying I don't believe in marijuana. It ruined my life. And when I smoked dope, I was a dope. So my, my, you know, advice, I'll call it, is if you're clear, you're, you're living the right way, you can accomplish so much at any age. You know, I know a lot of people are going, well, you know, I'm getting into my 60s, the life is over. No, it's not over. It's not over. You still got 30 years left. People are living into their 90s. So it's not over. You know, um, you know, we smoked all our lives. You know, I'm probably, you know, I've lost four members of my family. They smoked and drank all their lives. None of them made it to 70. You know, they, my mom, my dad, my two brothers all died in their 60s, all of cancer. So science tells me if I would have kept smoking, drinking and doing that, I probably would, you know, have not a long time left. So, you know, I encourage people to clean their lifestyles up. You know, we, we find, you know, the science that smoking does kill us and sports chewing, you know, we're watching people die now of cancer in the mouth and getting their jaw cut out and all these different things. It's poison. So I'm not here to lecture. I'm just here to give you the facts that this lifestyle, if it doesn't kill you by a heart attack or your organs shutting down, it'll probably kill you by a disease or, or something else. So it's never too late. Don't ever think it's too late. And I know many people in addiction that are later in life that are living the life that they've always dreamed of. And if they have 10, 20 years left, it's going to be the best 20 10 or 20 years of their life. And that's what they say. They say it's, uh, it's just a, a blessing to wake up and feel, you know, my, <laughs> it's funny because uh, in rehab, it was like this one guy said, you know, my parents always said that, you know, I should love hearing the birds tweet in the morning outside in the summer instead of telling them to shut the F up. Right. Well, we know what's, person loves listening to the birds and we know which person just went to bed you know uh blasted out of their mind telling the birds to shut up so there's two you know comical places that you go yeah you know i can get up at five and just love listening to the nature outside because of obviously how i feel so my point is to everybody that you know i i sit here tonight and talk to you. Um, you go on to my social media, Jim Thompson, 33 direct message me. I, I, I'm here to help. I, I, I don't, I always will have energy to help anybody trying to straighten their lives out for their families, for their children. It can be done. I'm, I'm living proof. The guy that's got me on tonight, Willie is living proof, celebrating his ninth year of sobriety, which is just an amazing feat. You know, one day leads into two days, leads into a month leads. And all of a sudden you hit your first year and you're going to go, wow. And then all of a sudden, you know, my 10th year came and I should have been, you know, celebrating my kids and my wife. And I said, no, it's called quiet success. I don't need to say anything. I don't need anything. All we know is I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And today I didn't drink on my 10th year celebration. And 
Now I'm going into my 13th year. And you know what? It's just quiet success one day at a time. And uh, it happens quick, you know. And I got to tell a quick story before I go is, you know, a guy that I used with, um, we were smoking and doing the pills and stuff. So I saw him seven years after I got clean. And where we used to be at this bar, I went to the coffee shop, which I never went into because we went into the bar and then we're smoking outside and, you know, doing our thing. So I ended up going for a coffee. And as I'm going for a coffee, he's at the, at the door having a smoke outside and he calls me over and I'm like, wow. So I go over there and I'm looking at this man seven years ago when I said, come to rehab with me. He said, no. And he looked at me, he goes, how long has it been? I said, it's been seven years. And he was just, you could see the pain in his face that he has not stopped that whole time. And I said, it's never too late. It's never too late. So uh, I'm sensing Willie, we're done. So I, again, I, I gotta, I, Willie's given me, uh, Willie's given me that the, our uh, time is almost done, which is fine. But I just want to say to everybody, I, I, I pray for you. I, w- I wish you all luck. Um, it can be done. I, I'm going to inspire you tonight, but just, it, you just got to fight through that, that detox, whatever you need to do, you got to get through it. And um, sobriety is a great, great life. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, I started at 12 and I was blurred out till 42 years old, most of my life, you know, drinking and, and, and just doing some, some awful things. But, uh, my last 13 years has just been magical. And, uh, I want to thank Willie for having me on tonight and, uh, thanks whoever does listen to this. Thank you for listening. And, uh, I'm blessed to be talking to you tonight. So Willie, I'll come back to you and thank you so much for this opportunity. Dude, thank yeah. you. You know, and we're we're blessed for having you, yeah, Jim. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for coming on here, for sharing your story and and uh that was amazing. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah, man. Good. You you can see like where where it took him, you know, like yeah. just, just how bad and like you would never look at that guy now and and think that, you know, that's somebody that that's had that kind of mileage. Yeah. But, but that's, I mean, that's, that's what it does. That's where it takes us, yeah. you know? And like, you know, growing up in a trailer park. Right. I can relate with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, not necessarily being part of 10 kids, like, wow, what a, what a heavy load. And then, you know, his parents, obviously, you know, with them being alcoholic and being more veterans from World War II, like, yeah. like all that stuff would have been heavy. And then having the party bug, but him being able to, to disconnect for a time, at such a young age, yeah, you know, getting started and being a blackout drinker by age fourteen, and then being done, yeah, shutting going, it off, going to 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 chase his dream of being a hockey player and pulling it off, yeah, 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 he fucking pulled it off, dude. People know who Jim Thompson is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Jordan's dad uh, mentioned, yeah, he's a big uh, fan, yeah. He mentioned that he's like, really, <laughs> Jordan. Jordan shared that with us, so appreciate that, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like when he when he talked about how how uh, the opiates really is like what opened the door for him. I really remember like I, I was just telling somebody this the other day that like, you know, I dabbled in a lot of things. I, I, I drank, you know, on occasion. But man, when the opiates hit, it just everything 
everything became a problem. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I got that from his story. And then he talked about, you know, eventually leaning into cocaine and then crack and it's, yeah, you know, um, and, and it's just, it's, it's crazy to think. And I think that, you know, it's unfortunate to think that I, on some sort of level, we assume that, that professional athletes or, you know, people with quote unquote money success, right? Like that they, they don't, that this stuff doesn't touch them and it's just not the case, yeah. right? Like it doesn't care. It is not, it doesn't care who you are, no. right? It's it's no respecter of men. Respecter of men. I was trying to think of the no, term. There's no respecter of no men. No respecter of men. Yeah, it doesn't care who you are. It does not discriminate. Yeah. And I think Jim's story is, is a good testament of that. Yeah, for sure. And I, 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 love, I love where he was talking about, you know, having that painting with him and Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. you know, they... Go, going into the Stanley Cup and like seeing that every day, something that was so profound and such a big deal for him at one time now is a slap in the face yeah. every time I see it. You know, like I can identify with that. Like, mm-hmm. like seeing myself at my best and what I could be or what I may have been at one time, yeah. you know, in his case, you know, but having that internal voice, that internal dialogue of shame that goes along with right. seeing that what it could have been like, what it's like now. And knowing that I'm in that deep, dark space, but not being able to do anything about it, you mm. know, that, that space that he was talking about. And then, you know, his wife, you know, did the intervention on him and, and he had to make a decision. And we talk about that all the time on the show is, you know, it's time to make a decision. And, and he did. And he, he made that decision on his son's birthday, like on an airplane and, and everything changed after that. Yeah. You know, he, he'd been to treatment and, and they were teaching him how to get in touch with his feelings and, and those things. And the timelines are what they are, but now he's, you know, 13 years into it and he's helping a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, getting to, to travel around and do interventions. And, 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 you know, we had Ryan Phillips on the show who they, they work together, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and like helping other people with, with mental disorders, with addiction problems you know with with past trauma you know like ryan was talking about this this sex sexual abuse and and child sex trafficking and all the things that go along with the dysfunction of alcoholism and drug addiction you know but what i really liked was when he talked about going into aa and feeling like oh fuck everybody in town's gonna know jim thompson's an alcoholic yeah they already knew probably yeah yeah for most of us right But then getting in there and and not finding this this bad deal, but finding identification with yeah. other people that, yeah. that knew exactly how he felt. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It was great, you know. And I what I what I really liked, I think it was a good reminder for me is when he talked about quiet success. Yeah, he talked about you know like celebrating ten years like quietly. He's like, I don't need to make a big deal out of it. I don't need to like celebrate it with my kids. Like I I know, I know I had ten years, you know, and I think there is something like humble about that. Like not to say that we're we're doing something wrong if we are celebrating it because it is worthy of celebrating. I think that for him, it's a way of remaining humble. Yeah, it, it's it's a way of of maintaining that humility in order. For him to to share a very humble message, yeah. which is what he's all about, 
he's all about helping others and he's all about giving back and he wants to help others succeed. He put his information out there for anybody that might be struggling. Contact Jim. Jim has made it very clear. Yeah. Let me know. Like I am willing. There's nothing he's not willing to do. Yeah. Nothing he's not willing to do if he thinks that it will help somebody. Just one person. Again, Just one person. You know? again. Yeah. So, so if you're watching this seriously, like he said, if you have a tugging on, on your psyche to, to make contact with Jim or with us or with anybody else that shows their contact on, on the show, reach out, you know, you could be that person that, that the world needs the message from. You yeah. could be that example. You, you know, sobriety didn't come natural to any of us. Mm -hmm. it, it took work, but it's been worth it for sure to be on this side of the table. Yeah. You know, Jim's, Jim's another perfect example of what that looks like if you progress and you help other people. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I can't say, you know, enough. Like, again, the NHL was not my calling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was my platform to, to get into my calling, like he was talking about. Helping people is my calling. Helping people is what it's all about. That's what this show is about. Yeah. That's why we do this show mm -hmm. is to hopefully help somebody identify, help somebody feel like they're not alone and understand that we on this side of the table know how you feel. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind too, like anybody out there, anybody out there with three days, seven days, a month, like you are equipped with a message to help somebody. A yeah. lot of people that don't have a day, they don't, I, I didn't respond to the guy that had nine years when I was new in the program. I didn't identify with the guy that had five years, 13 years. You know, I identified with the guy that had a month that I could wrap my head around, mm -hmm. you know, that, that was believable for me. So I think it's important to remember that it doesn't matter how much, how much sobriety you have. If you have a day, you, you have something you can help somebody with. Yeah, I agree. If you're working a program and you have a day of sobriety, there is no reason not to think that you couldn't help somebody. Get a day. Yeah. Yeah. For absolutely. Sure. For sure. But, you know, thank, thank you, Jim, so much for, for telling your story and, and being a part of the show and, you know, being another resource for our listeners and, and viewers to, to reach out and, and find and be a part of this community. So grateful for all this. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Jim. And we'll list Jim's contact information in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, please check that out. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, and uh, and also, you know, check check online at uh, the other side of hellpodcast dot com for news and resources, updated information on the shows. We also have merchandise for sale, um, which is a great way to support the show. Um, and, uh, and if you are interested in telling your message, please just send us an email at the other side of hell at gmail.com. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Perfect. Feels pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping I'm me. I'm not one guy that needed some help. So it's been a good episode. I, yeah. I got a lot from it. Yeah. The cornerstone of everything I am is helping other people. Yeah. So agreed. Dig it. Yeah. Well, with that, let's wrap it out, my let's friend. wrap it out. Yeah. With that, remember, guys, you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. 
You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.